Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us today for Ocean Waves. I actually have a special treat for you. It's a spin on a Freight Waves classic that I'm sure you all are a fan of. Uh, for all of our global shippers out there listening, you know, we have difficulty with rates right now. Service is just in complete whack. I'm sure a lot of you are saying to yourself, what the ship? <laughs> well, our guest today has actually helped a number of shipper shippers navigate through these treacherous waters. Her name is Caitlin Murphy. She's the founder and CEO of Global Gateway Logistics. Uh, she's a global shipping veteran, has over a decade of experience in helping others navigate these waters and a lot of the difficulties that we're starting to experience on a grander scale today. Uh, Caitlin, could you briefly introduce yourself to our audience and in particular, why you started uh, Global Gateway Logistics and, and how you've been helping your customers? Yes, thanks, Grace. Again, I'm Caitlin Murphy, the founder of Global Gateway Logistics. We are an NVOCC and freight forwarding company. And as Grace mentioned, I have been in the industry for over a decade. And I got to the point where I was seeing a lack of strategy, transparency, um, and more in the market and decided that I really wanted to start my own firm to set the industry right and really move things forward in freight forwarding. Um, and so that's exactly why we exist. We exist to bring transparency and confidence to the complex world of global shipping. I love it. And, you know, when we talked earlier, I love the type of customers that you're servicing in particular, the small and medium sized enterprises. You know, a lot of times when we see this type of news hit the mainstream, like we have recently, it's because we're seeing the big, uh, you know, public big guys dealing with high shipping costs and, and shareholders wondering, you know, what's going on. So can you explain to me the type of trends you're seeing for more of these small to medium sized enterprises? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it's interesting because when did we get into a market in transportation where forwarders and MVOCCs are actually telling small to medium sized enterprises, you have to go look elsewhere for service, for transportation. And, you know, that's really what we're seeing in this market. We have a lot of SMEs coming to Global Gateway as of recently saying, well, our former forwarder we were with for years told us you're too small for us now. And it, it's painful to watch because really, I think those firms that actually need that, you know, boutique customer service that a forwarder should be giving are the small to medium sized businesses that are trying to scale their global operations. And so what we're seeing, you know, the current trends we're kind of seeing in, in global freight is the larger BCOs and NVOCCs as well. They're able to maintain a lot of their contract rates and with the steamship lines. And whereas a lot of the small to medium sized beneficial cargo owners or BCOs, as we like to call them in, in the freight forwarding world, a lot of the smaller to medium sized BCOs and NVOCCs are having to exist on the spot market. And, you know, I'm also seeing that even though these larger sized firms have contract rates, it may not always mean they have guaranteed space. And so if they can't get space, think of how difficult it is for these small to medium sized companies to get space. Um, many of the pre-existing contracts, even, even the ones that the larger BCOs and NBOs have, they weren't made in a way yet that was a two-way contract, meaning they might have a contract rate, but the steamship line doesn't have to give any um, guaranteed space. So essentially, both sides um, have to commit or they're penalized for it to be a two-way contract, much like NYSHEX is doing. 
Um, which side note, I really hope that's the future of ocean contracting where both sides pay to play. And, you know, the, the transparency is there and um, the flow of goods is a lot easier when people commit to the promises that they made in contracts. Um, and another trend I'm finding far too often, like I said, is that, you know, these smaller importers are kind of being kicked to the curb um, and, and are being told they need to look elsewhere. And, and sometimes I even it's it's even comical because before even I, I, I've had like these horror stories from small importers that come to us and they're like, we've called five freight forwarders to ship our products from overseas. And before even finding out what our commodity is and what our trade lanes are, they're asked one question. How many containers do you import a year? And to me, that's such a, a biased you know, description of an importer's needs or an exporter's needs, because to me, it's more about the, the container volume that they import and more about where do they want to go? What are they trying to scale to? And how can global freight help strategize and help them scale their global supply chain efforts? A hundred percent, especially as, you know, technology in regards to like ordering systems and website generation, things like that, you're, you're, we're optimizing um, business or really entry level um, or barriers to entry for small businesses. Right. So I think what we're going to see over time is, is these small mom and pop shops making their way online and, and now having to service the global community. So let, let's talk about how we're scaling their operations so that they can become um, more of a uh, better part of these carriers' portfolio instead of just saying, well, where are you at now? And that's all that matters to us today. I mean, that's not even a good way for them to optimize their own internal growth, right? So uh, it's a really good point. Let's see. Um, would you say that when it, we're looking at technology more on the optimization side, right? And we talked about a lot of the big players that are now entering the space, bringing that Silicon Valley type of mindset to optimizing operations within a uh, freight forwarder or global uh, logistics provider. Where are you seeing that they're helping and where are you seeing even more so like where they could be a little bit better from your experience so far? Yeah, this is a loaded question because you and I have talked about tech before yeah. and, you know, the gaps in tech. And I always joke, I'm like, are any of these these global logistics platforms built with a freight forwarder sitting next to these developers? Because when you look at the full chain, it's it's not cohesive. And so, you know, I would say a lot of the gaps that we're finding in, in global logistics tech it's really because of that cohesiveness. So it's it's a matter of, you know, it's extremely fragmented when we're just talking about tech. I mean, freight forwarding in general is extremely fragmented. It's a fragmented market, but technology is even worse. And I say that, and what I mean by, by saying that is there are solutions out there that have spent thousands, if not millions of dollars on one specific aspect of global logistics, like quoting or booking. But then when it flows from the quote to the booking to the shipment, there's a big gap. And, you know, what I'm still seeing is that there's a ton of manual data entry in freight forwarding logistics. And if you look at, or freight forwarding technology, if you compare domestic TMS uh, providers to global 
there is a stark difference. Domestic platforms are incredible because there's been so much investment and there's been so much, you know, incredible thought leadership in that space in tech. But the same thing hasn't been happening in global freight. And, and I think part of that is because of the fragmentation. It's a really difficult market to understand. And so a lot of the times it's hard to pair like these technology, these incredible technology developers with the subject matter expertise to build a program that's so comprehensive and it's automated where it needs to be automated, but then the customer service is there, you know? And so I think the sad thing is uh, these gaps that are happening, the BCOs are the ones that are going to be paying the price ultimately. And, you know, for example, a lot of freight forwarders become extremely reliant on recent tech. Right. And they're really hungry for automation. I am, too. I hate that my team has to do any manual data entry in 2021. But the reality is a lot of these these softwares aren't there yet. So when they do get there, these forwarders all of a sudden say, oh, my gosh, we can we can rely fully on this technology over customer service. And so they'll wait for their system to take the action. And when the system isn't built in a way to withstand volatile market conditions like we're in right now, the data gets skewed, the information doesn't come across the way it should. And what we're, where we're seeing a lot of these issues, again, these are from you know clients that have come to us from, from other freight forwarders and MVOCCs. They say, well, I was my forwarder was using one of the best technologies out there and I had a $20,000 demurrage bill. And so I asked the questions of, well, how does that even happen? And so I, once you dig further, you realize the root problem is there's too much reliance on technology that hasn't been fully built to handle all the capabilities of normal market conditions and volatile market conditions. And so, you know, now we're in a market of demand where capacity, let's just take drayage, capacity at many U.S. ports might not be available for two to three weeks in some areas. But think about these technology systems, right, that they're trying to um, pull out all their bells and whistles. The reality is a lot of them, they'll send the arrival notice and the delivery order the day that that container gets released from the port or the day it gets released from customs clearance without realizing there's a two to three week wait time for a driver to have capacity to go in and get it. And so I think if you if you aren't proactive enough with your with the technology, the way it's being built, your shipments are going to be proactive and your freight forwarders that are actually managing these shipments aren't going to be proactive because they're relying on a technology that just simply can't handle it. Um, so, I mean, that's that's really where I'm seeing a lot of the gaps is the communication and the the overarching process of global freight. Yeah, you know, you bring up a great point when comparing that to like domestic technologies, because when you're looking at a lot of like the, I'd say almost like the freight matching technologies that you see nowadays, whether you're looking at like a digital broker or something like that, you know, part of the problem they're solving is the fact that capacity is so fragmented, that there's so many carriers and it's hard to get them on the same field when it comes to sharing their location and things like that. Well, that's not the problem with global. There's only there's only a select few carriers and you could integrate and theoretically you could integrate into all their systems and and provide that visibility from a, a number of different type of, of tracking platforms, right? Um, 
The problems that lead to the increase in charges are the operations of the uh, global market, not so much the fragmented capacity. So I think what happens is they bring that same, they look at you know how people are are changing the the domestic space, the trucking space, and they they apply that same knowledge to the ocean space, and it's it's not the same problem. So you 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 have the solution, right? But like, it's not telling me that uh, three weeks in advance, I need to start looking for a carrier or that a lot of times it's not telling you at all about that. It even, you know, hit the port and that's cleared and ready to go. So um, I think that's uh, sometimes why you see those issues. And, um, you know, I'm interested in what areas that you think could could use the most uh, operational or te- technological help? Where are the issues that you would like to see technology start to attack a little bit more when it comes to being able to deliver the same level of service that these uh, uh, global shippers have seen in the past? Right. And, and really, I, I would say it's less of a, like a module. What module should they be focused on the most? And it's more of what I call exception management. So, you know, on its face, logistics is nothing more than problem solving all day long. And if you're not a problem solver, you shouldn't be in logistics. And the reality is, how can we utilize technology to help solve those problems, not create more problems? So on its face, it's really as, as simplistic as that. But I think one thing that has that I've really struggled with um, recently on the spot market. So one one area where I would say there should be a lot of investment in tech is global freight booking, not direct with so so on freight forwarders and MVOCCs are different are are different for um, in terms of booking process for ocean freight. And where I see a huge gap is, you know, right now we're, like I said, we're an NVOCC, but we're a smaller NVOCC. And we've really struggled in the past year and a half to commit to, or to get um, successful contracts with the different steamship lines that we're, um, we're partnered with. And because it's all a volume play, if you don't have the certain type of volume, which before, you know, just to put it in perspective for all the listeners, before the pandemic, I mean, a lot of steamship lines, no problem would be open to 50 TEUs, you know, a, a year even sometimes. As small as that amount um, of import volume, well, now, you know, unless you're at 500, you can't get a specific contract. Uh, and that, that doesn't go for all the steamship lines, right? But that's just a, a the average response that we're seeing. And so you see this like inflation of how much shipping volume you have to have. Well, if you don't have that, you're forced onto the spot market. But how do you book on the spot market? And so, you know, when you're an importer or when you're a freight forwarder importing, you're heavily reliant on a global database of other forwarders. We're a part of um, several freight forwarding organizations, which is one way that we find overseas partners to book a lot of our customers' freight. And what we do is we book freight under their contracts, right? And so it's it's constantly buying space from whoever has the space available at the rates that are competitive. Well, where is technology on a global perspective? There's no, 
you know, overarching, um, highly publicized, if th maybe there's one that exists that I just don't know about, but for, for a lot of my, my partners in Vietnam and in China, we go through manual emails every single day saying, here's the space I have available. Do you have any volume? So this idea of like matching supply and demand just on ocean freight on the freight forwarding market. So there's a big gap in that. I mean, I, I keep everyone who's in tech that I keep talking to, I keep saying, please build some sort of dashboard where forwarding agents can load their rates and available space so that US-based, Europe-based, South America-based freight forwarders can jump onto a database and buy off the spot market in a much more strategic way. Um, so that's a gap. And then also the, the, the big other gap that I'm finding is more of like in predictive analytics. There is hardly anything out there. I'm so thrilled. I have to do a, a plug for Sonar because um, I, know, I know some of the team there, like Henry, I remember a few years ago at a Freight Waves event, I said, I love that you guys are going after global. I can't wait until Sonar has those capabilities because as a freight forwarder, we really struggle with predictive analytics. And there's a few indexes you can follow, but the reality is, you know, the, the spot market is very chaotic. The contracting market is very chaotic. How do you pull all that data in together so that you can make decisions that that benefit the customer at the end of the day. Um, so I'd love to see more predictive analytics. I'd love to see technologies partnering with Sonar and other, um, other predictive analytic tools that can really help empower freight forwarders and MVOCCs to book space when it's advantageous and, and when the market's low um, to, to match supply and demand. I think there's a whole gap right there just in and of itself. And that's, I would even argue, Grace, like outside of TMS systems, really just having a predictive analytics software uh, for global freight would be incredible. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's great in that area is that like a lot of these problems, I think that affect especially global over domestic is just that like pre or proactive solution, right? Because we're talking about traveling across oceans, like you know, we have air, and that's a whole ordeal. And and but at the end of the day, the technology that we see currently in the global market is almost like better served for the domestic market, where the domestic market is like finally now attacking these proactive solutions. It's like we almost need to like catch up and and play was a hot hopscotch or something. Into that arena of technology, because if there's anything that I want to make sure I'm proactive on, it's something that's on a ship that can't turn around for one single container. Like <laughs> it's it's totally different. I mean, half of the the domestic software is just let me know so I can call that driver and tell him to turn around or to fix it, and that's not going to happen. And is is you're you're right. It's so rates and everything move so much that this is the space we need to be proactive. And you know what happens when we're proactive in the global arena? A lot of the problems that we're trying to be proactive about in the domestic yeah. arena solve themselves. Exactly. So. <laughs> exactly. And that's what I love about logistics is that we're all so interconnected. We're all in the same ecosystem. Freight that comes into the U.S. eventually has to go on a domestic rail or truck. 
And so, you know, how can we really empower from the beginning, the first mile? I feel like we've really cornered the market on last mile technology. Where is the first mile technology? You know, and that that goes to say for things like sensors, container tracking sensors, um, documentation, automation. And, you know, so there's so many different aspects. And I would I would caution a lot of these technology companies that are trying to bite off the entire thing. Really start with either perfecting the global ocean freight or air freight process end to end, and then go after predictive analytics or reporting or rating, a rating tool. Um, I, I think, you know, sometimes a lot of these technologies, they get started in freight forwarding and realize what an endeavor it is just to get started with, you know, quoting, let's say, that it takes years for them to really implement these things that freight forwarders are saying, wait, we really need this, not this. Um, I almost like want to get in the car from back to future and go like five years in advance and say like, okay, what are, what do we need five years from now? Let's start yeah. building it now. Yeah. A hundred percent. And um, I think what's, an, it's really what you said. It's important to like focus on solving one aspect of the problem. And you know what is frustrating about quoting being, I think the focus on so many people's minds is the, it's a quote and it's going to increase without solving the operational problems. Like a uh, quote's great until I get a $20,000 surcharge for, for sitting there and not picking up that container. And that's why it's a quote. Cause you know that you can't solve that, and that last problem. So I, I'm glad that you're able to point that out. And, you know, really the, the final thing I really want to focus on is, is this market that you're serving these small and medium sized enterprises. How are you, you know, clearly we're not going to solve these problems with technology today. Um, we're just putting out that positive energy to get that, to get that moving, right? But how are you consulting these enterprises, these smaller enterprises today to better prepare for these risks and to maybe help be proactive about the problems that we know technology can't solve? Sure. Yeah. So, you know, like I said, our, our, at our core, our brand was built for transparency. And what I find is that the more transparent and the more education that you're giving SMEs that have either been importing, exporting for a decade, just started a month ago, the more that you provide them of what you know as a forwarder or as a logistics professional, the better off they're going to be in the end. And, you know, like I said, it's unfortunate because they're they're on a spot market right now and, and no one wants to be on a spot market unless the rates are low. Um, and so rather than throwing in the towel and giving up and saying, sorry, you just have to deal with these rates or these really long delays, you have to be just as agile as SMEs are in starting their businesses and growing their businesses, especially through a pandemic. As a forwarder and, and NVO, you have to be just as agile, too, with their logistics strategies. So we look at, you know, different algorithms of port pairings, cost, last minute contract space being sold overseas that we can pick up on a, a really discounted rate. A mode mix, you know, like, for instance, right now, this country is going through a massive uh, demand in transloading and trucking over rail. Um, because the, a lot of the ocean carriers have really cut off the, the IPI or the inland point uh, destination services via rail. So you're forced onto two different modes. 
But you can do this very strategically. You know, for instance, and I don't know if a lot of people know this, but uh, as of like a couple weeks ago, the rate to Vancouver was almost $4,000 cheaper than the rate to Long Beach. And when you have the right freight forwarding partners, and again, like it is all about relationship logistics. It is all about the partners that you have around the world that can carry you through this, this chaotic market. And so, you know, for us, I'm not, I'm, I mean, I was flabbergasted that, that it happened this way, but it was cheaper for one of our clients for us to bring their containers in through Vancouver to transload them, truck them in bond into the country. It was almost $4,000 cheaper than to bring it in through the West Coast and do the same service. And so you have to be agile and you have to look at solutions like that, especially for these small businesses, because their margins are being crushed this year and last year too. And so the only way that they're going to be able to continue to exist and grow is by strategizing other aspects of their internal operations like logistics and supply chain. Um, so, so doing things like that is extremely helpful. We love running tools with them. We force a lot of our clients. We say, listen, send us how you guys quote freight to your client. We want to see the other side of things. You know, we want to make sure that you're understanding everything that we're saying and that there's no gap in, in the knowledge and the education that we're giving you. Um, and I really wish a lot of other forwarders would do that because I think it would save a lot of time and cost for, um, for SMEs. And then I think for the last note, I think SMEs should be looking at strategic logistics planning for 2022. 2021, you know, it's been a wash. We all were really hopeful back in, let's see, like February during um, the China holiday when rates, when we really started to see the rates spike for the first time, we were all really hopeful that was short term. And, and by short term, I think we all thought by maybe June that the rates would cool down and they didn't. If anything, they got up to five times, six times higher than the pre-pandemic ocean freight levels. And so, you know, what I what I advise a lot of our clients is, listen, 2021, we will do our absolute best to help you mitigate costs as much as possible. But for 2022, we're hopeful that a lot of the steamship lines start to open back up contracting so that we can pull together the volume, we can pull together resources, we can create that stability. I'm also hoping, like I said, that contracts go into two-way instead of one-way so that you know, these small, medium-sized companies have a guarantee that they're going to get space at that rate. That is really going to be key to, you know, leveling out some of the hurt for, for importers and exporters this year. And then also communication. My advice to every SME is communicate, communicate, communicate. Tell your forwarders what your quarterly volumes are, if you can. If you know that you're going to be exporting 15 containers next month or importing you know, 150 containers over the next three months. Make sure you give that information before the goods are ready at the factory. Give it as well in advance as you can, because that's only going to better the negotiating, the strategic planning. Um, I, I can tell you too, from a domestic side, the domestic, I think, has really taken our team more time than the international because domestically, the capacity is so is so low at a lot of these major ports. So we book out like a month in advance. So once a ship sails, 
we'll send that delivery order to a drayage carrier to say, hey, I know this isn't coming in for a month, but let us get on your books. You know, how can we help you? We're happy to pay a premium. You know, it's it's funny because one thing I've noticed, Grace, is the ocean carriers, of course, have been charging premiums all year. And I'm almost like shocked that the domestic trucking market hasn't moved at all in terms of pricing. And, you know, I think that, I, by the way, whoever's doing content, um, maybe this is great for you, Grace. I would love an article on, on just that aspect of, you know, how has ocean freight been able to get away with, with premiums for international freight, but domestic um, in terms of international import or export like drayage, that's the pricing stayed steady, even though demand has skyrocketed. So it's really interesting. There's there's a lot at play, but I do think, you know, communication and predictive analytics through communication is going to be the way to ride through the rest of this year and really gain steam ahead for 2022. Yeah, it's the communication, I think, is is a huge, it's the whole piece of the pie, the whole pie, per se. Uh, it's, I love the point that you made that these businesses need to start using companies like yourselves as partners, whether that's, you know, how am I, how am I even, um, you know, pricing out my goods to, to customers for the future? Where am I buying from? Who am I purchasing from? Is that a good, good location on this map? Um, is there a better area I should be looking for? Because now that there's so many different types of, um, uh, resources for purchasing and, and supplying, you know, you might as well be working with your forwarders to figure out, am I even buying from the right person or should I be buying from somewhere else? So a hundred percent, I think really, if anyone walks away from this, they should be thinking, how am I communicating with my uh, forwarders now? And, and how could I better communicate with them? They should be your partners. They should be your allies through this. And, and that's what I think when we see a lot of these different, um, connections between um, these big, large enterprises and, and the carriers now, that's what they're doing. And it's coming off as, you know, a leverage when it's really just, no, you have big guys talking to big guys. Now let's all work together and create this entity internally. So I, I really appreciate you being with us today, Caitlin, and, and sharing your expertise. And um, for everybody, anyone trying to reach out to her, uh, you can see in this chat, her, her LinkedIn and everything as well. You know, feel free to give her a call. She's going to definitely help you and your team. And um, thank you just, you know, for allowing us to, to touch on your knowledge and, and teach a lot of our, our readers who are small, medium-sized businesses, how they can better navigate through these times. Cause it's not going to change this year. It's not going to change next year. And this could be a normal. That's what we're here to see. And, and hopefully we'll have the analytics to, to help guide through that. So um, thank you again, Caitlin, and, and thank you for being a part of Ocean Waves today. Of course. I'm so happy to be a guest, and I'm so happy that Ocean Waves even exists. I was so excited when I, I found Freight Waves years ago and said, wait, this is incredible. All of this, this knowledge and coverage just on transportation and logistics, it's truly incredible. And it, it's going to empower and it has empowered a lot of freight forwarders, a lot of NVOs, a lot of BCOs. And I just, I applaud everybody at the Freight Waves team and Ocean Waves for putting on this event and for really striving to provide transparency as well in logistics. Thank you so much, Kate. I'll take the kind words on behalf of everyone else. <laughs> everyone have a good day and thank you for joining us at Ocean Waves today. Thank you.